WFNU is a volunteer-run station made up of many different community voices. Each program expresses one aspect of that diversity and not the views of WFNU or Frogtown Tuned In as a whole. to WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. You are listening to 651 Sports Update. I am your host, Mike Resendez, and with me this morning... Good morning, Eric. Well, good morning. What a nice little surprise there. <laughs> That's a throwback. It's a, a big throwback. I... Uh, I was looking in the archives, the 651 Sports Archives, which happened to be the high school sports talk archives. Right. <laughs> and I found it. That was a jingle from the high school sports talk days in the first year or two of our working together on this. And, uh, yeah, that's a catchy one. It's already stuck in my head. <laughs> I couldn't find the full one. Now, the full one's like 30 seconds long. If yeah, I you went all in on that. That was, yeah. that was truly impressive. People got a kick out of that. Yeah. Well, that was nice to hear that soundbite. Thank you. It's, You're welcome. Uh, it's great to be back in the studio with you. Speaking about our St. Paul High School sports, we're wrapping up the winter season actually today and also previewing our spring season. I think we've actually got a lot of show. A lot has happened since our last show together, Mike. That's right. We are going to be wrapping up the winter sports, as Eric said. Spring has started. Uh, you have an in on one of the sports at one of the high schools. I think everybody who's listened knows which high school we're talking about. Sometimes you say the wrong name. You get your parts mixed up. You I want do. you want to attribute my work to your old high school, your alma mater. But it's Como Park. That's right. Can you imagine if we had, like, Washington Park and Harding Park? I mean, that we, it would be a disaster on my end as far as trying to keep everyone straight. That would be way too much for the brain of Resendez, yes. <laughs> Hey, if you've got scores, I've got stories to tell. I've got some happiness, a little heartbreak, but overall some amazing accomplishments from St. Paul City Conference student-athletes. That's right. I've got that. So we're going to roll into things like you said. We have a lot of shows, so let's just get going. We're going to start off with wrapping up the winter sports season. Now, we had some things going on. We had section tournaments and some state tournaments. Uh, that have wrapped up those seasons for us, Eric. So let's start with girls basketball. The last time I was on, we were talking about Como's seventh straight conference championship, and we were talking about the upcoming section playoffs with Coach McCoy of St. Paul Central. That was a fun interview last month with him. Central was seeded fifth, and they lost to the four-seed Creighton in the first-round matchup, which was a bummer. But Central will be back with another strong team next year. Highland lost their first-round section game as well. Humboldt lost a nail-biter in their section opener. So as it turned out, 
The only city team to advance in their section tournament was Como, who beat Harding in the first round. And then in a truly impressive semifinal game, the Cougars roared to a 79-47 victory over Simley. It was a little bit of payback, a little bit sweet, because Simley was the defending section champ who beat Como in the section final last year. Mm -hmm. So with that win, the stage was set for another section championship game for the Como Park Cougars. Unfortunately, it was at St. Croix Lutheran, even though Como was the number one seed. It was a casualty, Mike, of our conference policy of no fans. So the section rules allowed a school who could have fans to host a section game if their opponents could not. Ah. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not suggesting an excuse. I'm just reporting an interesting story with a COVID twist. So the game at St. Croix Lutheran was crazy close. And then Como fell behind by 10 in the second half and came back courageously to take the lead in the final seconds. Como was up one with 3.2 seconds to go. St. Croix Lutheran calls timeout, comes out of the timeout to run a play, inbounding the ball from under their own basket, the one Como had just scored on. Mm -hmm. So they got to go length of the court, 3.2 seconds. St. Croix ran a fantastic play with some deception. All five players behind the baseline. Oh, wow. Don't see that. No. At all. No. <laughs> really unique setup. Like a football team lining up at the line of scrimmage. And Como was up trying to call out their, their men, call out who they're defending, pressuring. St. Croix Lutheran set some screens, crisscrossed, sent one deep over the top, who caught a perfect pass Oof. in stride, took a dribble, and made the layup to crush Como's dreams of state. Wow. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> it was, it was wow. devastating. And uh, a painful loss for the Como girls who had prepared themselves for that game and that position uh, on the verge of going to state. It was so close. And it was um, snatched away by a brilliant play by St. Croix Lutheran in the closing second. You know, um, I didn't see the play, but I'm running it through in my mind, and it's heartbreaking to picture it in my mind. <laughs> so I can't imagine what it was like in person. Yeah, well, I, uh, we all felt so bad for the team. Uh, what they had done to come back from down 10, right? the scrappy effort that they put together and the pressure they put on St. Croix Lutheran to get back to even and then take the lead on a Jada James layup with 3.2 seconds to go, you think, oh, my goodness, they've done it. And they were outdone by a really um, intelligently drawn-up basketball play. And that's, that's the game. The margins of winning and losing are so small, and they did not go in Como's favor Wow! that day and for this year. So they'll be back, but it was a tough way to end the season. Yeah, and on St. Croix Lutheran's part, I mean, to execute a play like that at that moment, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not easy either. Mm -hmm. It looked probably looked easy and just how they drew it up, but you still 
it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself with 3.2 seconds to go with the state birth on the line. Yep. Absolutely correct. It was excellent execution on their part. Wow. And that's probably a play you wait till the right moment to pull out of your hat because yep. now everybody knows that that play could be coming at any moment. There was an element of surprise. Yep. It, has, it was not on anybody's scouting report. It had not been used. Correct. Right. All right, so that wraps up the girls' season. Let's move over to boys' basketball, where we had some uh, excitement on that side in the section tournaments as well. The last time we were covering boys' basketball, we were, we were anticipating the Central versus Highland Park regular season finale. That is correct. That was going to determine the city championship. It all came down to that game. Either Central was going to win the game and win the conference outright, or Highland was going to win the game and claim a share of the conference championship for the first time in a while. And what happens? Overtime. And another overtime. <laughs> Double overtime. Oh, the drama. And Highland pulls it out, 56-53. to 53. Highland with the W and a championship. Central is champions too, but you know, and everyone who has played sports knows, that there was one team who was really thrilled to be co-champions right. on that night, and the other team was ticked off that they were co-champions. So over time, it, it won't matter as much. They're both going to have banners in the gym for 2021. Maybe Central's over it already. I, I wouldn't be, but it certainly <laughs> adds to the right. rivalry. I was going to say that Highland-Central <laughs> rivalry, it just puts another notch in that rivalry. Precisely. And that will be <laughs> that will be off season fuel for for Central. Absolutely, and, yeah, those games will have extra meaning again next year. Really competitive. How about that double overtime in the last game of the season to determine the conference title? In sections, there were some good wins in the opening round by city teams. Great credit to Central. They bounced right back. They beat Tartan in their first um, section game. Humboldt beat San Agnes, and Washington was victorious over Crystal Ray. But no runs to state for any St. Paul City team this season. Things ended in the next round. But another fun, exciting conference basketball season on the boys' side for sure. That's right. It's uh, what, I, what I like about, like, in the winter sports, um, we've got basketball that we can – we're starting to see the trend go to. It's anyone's, it's anyone's year on a year-to-year basis now on the boys' end. And, I mean, Como's got the girls' side yeah. locked up for now. Um, but on the boys' side, you, yeah. you just don't know what mm-hmm. you're going to get from season to season. Yeah, and that, that does make it really fun for every team, and it makes it fun for the, the supporters and the fans, and, uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I know uh, the Highland Park basketball team, the boys' team, their Twitter was exploding that night. <laughs> I do remember seeing that, that they uh, they were a little excited that they uh, pulled that victory off over Central that night. Well-deserved. They should have been excited. All right, so let's go to girls' hockey. Well, real quick on girls hockey, as I think we were wrapping it up last month, but the Riveters battled all year in a challenging conference and section, concluding with many close and competitive games, the final one being a 3-0 loss to Simley in the opening round of sections. It was the third time they played Simley this season. It was their closest result. So improvement was obviously there. All right, and we'll go over to boys hockey. Our two city teams actually got to play each other in the first round of sections. So Johnson advanced with a win over Highland. They ran into the eventual state champions, 
from something called Gentry Academy, which we'll just say is not a traditional school with a comprehensive athletic offering. <laughs> the, the story that matters to us is that Johnson and Highland give St. Paul City kids a chance to play hockey. Both programs are doing well with decent depth, and they're having fun competing. Right, and both, both teams are uh, considered co-op teams, so uh, many players from the different high schools in the city do get the chance to, to lace up the skates and get on the ice. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go over to Nordic. So Nordic wrapped up over a month ago. We were able to share the good news about Central Boys and both Highland teams at State with Molly Manning of Highland winning State again and her team taking second. All right, and with that, we will head over to gymnastics. Now, we had a team uh, that did advance to the State. Highland, Highland to State again, second consecutive year. They won Section 4A edging Simley. So congrats to the Highland girls and those team leaders who won individual section championships. They really have a great thing going there, and uh, it's a nice little new tradition they have of, of getting a state every year now. I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, some of the results from that, and uh, I'll give you the all-around results uh, as far as the Highland, uh, where Highland finished on that. Um, 21st was India David. And 22nd was Lily Boyd. Uh, so congratulations to both of them for placing in the all-around. India, David, and Lily Boyd. Well done. Good job. Yes, names that we've uh, mentioned quite a bit on this show. So um, congratulations to the Highland Park Gymnastics team. All right, let's go to wrestling. We had some uh, results from that as well. Wrestling was really revving up last time we did a show. We were actually talking to Humboldt Athletic Director Matt Osborne on the air as the Hawks were preparing for the state team prelims. And then later in the week, which would have been mid-March, those individual section wrestling tourneys took place. The format was different for the individual sections with four wrestlers from each weight class advancing to a state preliminary tournament. And the St. Paul City had, according to my count of John Vesepka's website, 29 individuals qualify for state prelims. 29. Including at least one from every one of our seven schools in the conference. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really good <laughs> performance. I know that after sections, there were a lot of happy kids, coaches, and parents. It was an outstanding showing. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it goes to show you how far the wrestling programs have gone uh, in the city as well. Uh, if you've got that many representatives from all the different schools uh, being able to go that far every year that that uh, not only boosts their programs but it, you know just in the long run for each individual boost that self confidence mm -hmm. mm -hmm. all right so let's go over to boys swimming and diving well another similar story to wrestling mike uh st paul city swimmers to state again so we had three schools send individuals to state meets at the U of M Aquatic Center. We had Jonathan Cordano of Central qualify in the 100 Butterfly. And then Central had a 200 freestyle relay team of uh, Reese Ricker, Wenzel, and Cordano. And they uh, qualified and placed very high in the state. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think they were 12th, 12th in the state. Yep, looking at it right now. There you go. 
Highland SP8 sent a diver to state, Tanner Zeese. And then Como was successful in sending five, five individuals to the state meet in Class A. Qualifying for the 100 butterfly, you had Ethan Naparella. 500 freestyle, Sig Isaacson. 200 freestyle relay, we had a cool team. What I mean by that is combination of brothers. You had Ethan and Gabe Naparella teaming up with Soren and Kai Sackrider. And they had an excellent time that put them in the state meet for 200 freestyle relay. And then in the 100 breaststroke, Kai Sackrider, and he's a freshman. So excellent performances in sections to get to where you want to be, the state meet at the U of M to conclude your season. Yeah, and uh, if you follow the Central uh, swim, swim Team Facebook page, um, Coach David does a great job of keeping you updated, and especially the state runs that they've had the last couple of years. Um, he takes a lot of pictures just to let people know what's going on there. Just even, especially this year, was really cool with not a lot of spectators allowed at these events. So uh, you were able to kind of see behind the scenes um, about what goes on at those events. Well, all right. Well, that wraps up the winter sports. It kind of seems every year it, it goes by so fast. And you would think like in a year like this with COVID, it would go by a little slower with everything being pushed back and dates changing and, and games switching. But no, it didn't. It went as fast as it normally does. Absolutely. It's fun when it gets going. You know, it, it just flies when you're having fun. And we have fun following and the, the kids, uh, especially this year, just the highlight of their day every day for sure because we – we weren't in school and going to school and pursuing your passions with your with your teammates and having the chance to do that it was it was excellent for the kids right the time is now 10:18 you're listening to 651 sports update on WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul we are Frogtown Community Radio I am Mike Resendez Eric Erickson is with me this morning we just wrapped up the winter sports season. If you missed any of the show so far, uh, you can go back and podcast the show uh, later on today. It'll be available on plenty of platforms to catch up. Well, we have the spring sports season getting underway. Uh, every looks like every sport has started practice and or competition already. Uh, we have badminton results and tennis results to get to. Uh, and Eric, Badminton would be, probably be right in the middle of their season if they would have started on time. Um, they they start pretty early, uh, but everybody looks like they started around the March 29th, April 5th. That's when lacrosse started their practices. Uh, so uh, everything will be pushed back a little bit, which will run some seasons into the middle of June. Right. So uh, just a programming note on our end, as long as there's a sport going on, we're going to keep going Uh so if if these some of these teams have big runs into the middle of June, <laughs> we will be here to tell you about it. So uh, hopefully that is the case so we can keep running that way. Remarkably, it's been two years since we've had spring sports results to share right. and discuss. Yeah, I was looking back uh, at John's website, and I was looking at some of the archives, and it, it was weird to see 2019 and no 2020. Because yep. there was no season last year because of, well, we all know what's going on. So, All right, so let's get into badminton. On Wednesday, it was Washington 7, Burnsville 0 in tennis. Uh, 
It was uh, on Monday, Park Cottage Grove 4, Johnson 3. And let me look to see if yesterday's results for tennis came in. Uh, and everything was postponed uh, probably due to the weather. It was wet yesterday. Yes. Uh, today, looks like we have some baseball on tap, Eric. Yeah. Uh, Como Park is facing St. Paul Academy at SPA. Uh, the JV game got underway about 20 minutes ago if it started on time. And varsity will be starting at noon. So if you want to go see some baseball up at uh, SPA, which they've got a great location for their field, you can see it pretty sweet from the street or in the, you know on the property. So uh, head out that way as well. Well, let's get uh, let's break down some of these uh, what we can kind of expect for the season and how some of these teams wrapped up last season. Let's start with badminton and break that down, Eric. Okay. Uh, St. Paul City dominance in Minnesota State Badminton is is well documented. We always enjoy bringing that up here on our show. But the reality is there's there's always a big Star Tribune and Pioneer Press story about the badminton championships. And Coach Fishback of Johnson is inevitably doing a TV interview for CARE 11 <laughs> or KSTP after his team wins state. And we expect things will be similar this year. Johnson is the defending champ. Washington's usually meeting them in the state finals or semifinals. Como and Harding are frequently in the final four mix, so we'll see. I know numbers are low at Como, really low, compared to pre-pandemic. About 15 girls versus 50, the traditional amount we've had. I'm not sure if Johnson and Washington are facing any similar circumstances or not. I, I don't know if their numbers are still up in their usual 60 to 80 girls category. Haven't talked to Coach Lane or Coach Fishbeck. But no matter what, the girls who are playing badminton are going to have fun, and ultimately we suspect they will succeed. And we've got a couple results in already, as you said, and it is a later start than usual for them, but it is it has started, and we're looking forward to tracking the teams as the matches roll on. All right, now let's head over to uh, the other sport that gets underway already. Let's go to boys tennis. The defending St. Paul City champion in boys tennis is Harding. They won it in 2019, last time there was a season, and they won it in 2018, and they won it in 2017, 20, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> In fact, they've won 11 of the last 12 conference championships after two years. Have things changed? We shall see. But uh, it's still Harding that claims that defending champion status. All right, and let's go over to softball. Central and Highland are likely to be strong again. They shared the conference crown last time in 2019 with 11-1 and one records. Sounds similar to our boys' basketball story earlier Absolutely. in the show. Como was third in 2019 at 8-4, and four, but they have won several conference titles in the past decade, so we should be seeing some exciting games at the top of the pack again this season in St. Paul City Conference softball. Yeah, we have uh, the first games getting underway on Tuesday when De La Salle will... Uh, face central at uh, Dunning Field. Okay, let's go over to baseball. 
In baseball, your central Minutemen are the defending champs from two years ago. Johnson had a really good, young, talented team two years ago. Everyone was bummed to miss last season, obviously. But I think those Johnson boys really had high hopes. And it's a strong senior class that will be leading them this year. So look for the Gubbies to have a good baseball team this spring. And look for Como to be competitive. Coach Smith has a good core, led by seniors Sully Lucy and Nick Ryan, and juniors Damian Perryman, Jude Breen, and Peter Wanger. The schedule revs up today. As you have already mentioned, the Cougars are playing SPA, varsity, at noon for first pitch. And then the first conference game is Monday against Washington. In two weeks, mark your calendars, on April 24th, Como and Highland will square off at CHS Field in downtown St. Paul at 5 p.m. So there's a great opportunity to get out on the town and see our high school baseball in the premier baseball stadium St. Paul has to offer, home of the uh, AAA St. Paul Saints. That's right. For those that uh, don't remember, the uh, Saints are now the AAA affiliate for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, it's a. It looks like a great field from the outside. I still haven't been on the inside. Uh, the, what a great opportunity! Humboldt plays uh, as well um, at two p.m. Uh, earlier in the day. So if you wanted to do like a St. Paul City doubleheader, you could certainly do that on that day. Even better, do you? You must have it in front of you. Who does Humboldt play at two? Uh, they just have the abbreviation AFSA. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that's some kind of academy. Air- uh, I don't know. AFSA is the agricultural school. Okay. Uh, oh, you've got me on the acronym, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a legit school with a comprehensive sports program. I'll tell you that. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, yeah, and the uh, like you said, the season gets underway today. Uh, Monday, uh, we have the Como game that you mentioned, and then also Johnson will be taking on Harding uh, at Harding at 4.30 on Monday the 12th. So. Uh, baseball isn't it's like the sure sign of spring softball and baseball yeah absolutely i'm I'm smiling just thinking about it there's real baseball being played yeah i know isn't that crazy yeah when we have uh it's a precursor to what's coming up near the end of the show with our pro pick as well um let's mike's taunting me (laughs) let's go on (laughs) to another outdoor sport track and field now that's something that uh you've got your hands in uh this year as well so why don't you break it down for us and then uh tell us uh what can we expect from the como park track and field team yeah i'm especially excited for track and field this spring we've had two great weeks of workouts with como who i'm happy to be helping out as a coach the number of meets is less than most years and we are actually starting later And with COVID protocols, most teams are just competing within the city until we get to sections. Like many of our sports, track and field is great because we're working on reaching PRs. Kids are doing that in supportive team environments, pursuing their personal records. With dedication and commitment, we are likely to see improvement. And we're certainly going to have fun getting fit as as we go through that process. First two weeks at Como have been wonderful. We've got uh, good numbers. It, it's a little bit of a wrench in the, in the flow when you have a week of practice and then it's spring break. And 
we decided to make it optional. Um, but when you have an optional practice during spring break and you have uh, um, over half the team showing up early on time, in fact, seeing some kids, I, I was thrilled the other day to see Via Richard doing our workout that we did in the morning. He was doing it on my block when I came <laughs> when I was coming back from running errands in the afternoon. I'm like, V, you already had your workout today. No, I need more, Coach Erickson. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking about a kid just jogging down the street. He's working on his start and his, and his acceleration in the sprint and, and starting low and then getting into vertical you know, by the 20-yard mark. It was, it was really, it was really um, heartwarming. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's a special kid, and we have many other uh, special student-athletes who are – experienced at Como Track and Field, including seniors Audrey Power Tyson, uh, Justine Wolf, uh, Ruby Koziak on the girls' side, just to mention a few leaders. On the boys' side, um, we've got a really strong distance element to the team. A lot of the people that do cross-country in the fall are, are back together doing all of the distance workouts to prepare for the 1,600 and 3,200-meter races. And then I am... Happy to be um, making throwers out of students who don't even know that they're throwers yet. Nice. Shot put and disc. And we're having some fun figuring that out together <laughs> and working on uh, a baseline and proper technique and form and then going on from there. And I think, I think we're going to set some PRs, and I think we're going to keep improving upon those as the season goes. Uh, it's going to be a really exciting season for all of the track and field kids in the city. Like I said, most of the meets are just city. I know somehow Highland was able to get a couple of elite meets, and, and they have a really deep program in some state-level runners, so it's good that they get to do that. But we're focused on our meets with Johnson and, and Harding and Washington. we got a couple with uh, Central. Um, Como does, and we're going to definitely be um, tracking the success of our kids, supporting them where they're at, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be out there with them. Uh, other thing I wanted to say about track is that, yeah, some of the some of the city meets are a little later, but sections are about where they usually are, and state is. I guess state is one week later. It'll be June 18th and 19th as okay. St. Paul kids get there. Yeah. Um, we certainly have some ambitious track and field athletes at Como that, that are asking about state times, and, and that's a good sign when you, when you have kids that are curious about what's it going to take. <laughs> right, yeah, set that goal. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned Charlie Power Tyson specifically in that. He's asking about that. Um, Soren Sackrider is a swimmer we mentioned. They're curious, and, and Charlie went to state and cross country. Sure. So he, he's eyeing that 3,200 meter. And then the the kid I mentioned, Vr Richard, um, yeah, he's a sophomore, but he, he, he wants to know what that 100 meter state qualifying time is. And if he's practicing on Danforth Street uh, after after a full workout already, he's got the work ethic. Right, yeah, he's got the focus going out. I see there's a lot of triangulars and, and quads on the schedule for uh, pretty much every team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be that, – that's a little different. There's usually not as many 
that if I that I remember uh, seeing in the past, but there's a lot of them on the schedule this year, so uh, that'll be fun to, uh, to watch. And we're definitely going to tap into you as an expert and in, in our inside source of Como Park Track. I'll take inside source. I will not ex- accept <laughs> expert. No, I'm going to send Ed, anybody that asks me about uh, shot put and uh, discus. I'm going to send them your way. So I got to give a shout out to. Ethan Ani, he is Highlands Throws Coach, and he helped me out with some activities to teach the beginning throwers last nice. year in twenty in twenty twenty. We had uh, met before the season started, okay. and then um, then we had no season, of course. But right. uh, I'm still tapping into some of the some of the ideas that he shared. Right, Ethan, good guy, mm-hmm. uh, former Concordia. Golden Bear. Precisely. Uh, former Highland Park uh, football standout and track and field at standout as well. So he uh, then he went on to college at Concordia to do that. Uh, and he, former guest of the show. Oh, no kidding. Yes. I'll well, full that circle. There. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to golf. We have golf starting. Yeah, we do. Golf is another great activity uh, to do outside with the support of teammates and a coach. Jonah Fields is excited about the Cougar Girls team this season. They're led by junior Matty Degatano, who Coach says is a big hitter off the tee. And sophomore Ali Ragnarud also returns. And Como's got a new highly skilled player in Michelle Vang, a freshman who has been really impressive in practice and a welcome addition to the team. As for the competitive side of things in the conference, the last conference championship teams were Highland for the girls' side and central on the boys' side. It's uh, key from what the little I know about golf. If you get that good distance on your first shot, it sets up the rest of your the hole and the rest of your game pretty nicely. It can make everything else easier, but we do have to qualify <laughs> distance plus accuracy. <laughs> okay, yes, you're right. Distance plus accuracy. Distance in the fairway is a beautiful thing, but distance... <laughs> In the woods on the right or in the lake on the left, no good. Yeah, either way, that's where I ended up. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. If there was a lake, the ball was going in the lake. If there was a tree nearby, I was hitting it off the, the trunk. It was, uh, it was a disaster. That's golf. Yeah. That's golf. Yeah. And then uh, we have lacrosse to talk about as well, and that gets started. Uh, there's Practices just got started this past week, so – of uh, the sports for the spring. They were the latest starting one. Uh, So what do you have on lacrosse? Well, I know that we were promoting the opportunity to participate in lacrosse at Como on the the Como morning announcements, which I produce uh, for every morning. I know that I was uh, being fed a lot of information and um, uh, visuals to try and attract some new people to lacrosse. And that was being coordinated by some Bobcats parents who are doing some outreach. I don't know how successful we were with that. I know we're successful enough as a city to put together a full co-op team on both the boys' side and the girls' side. And I know that the kids that have done it have had a lot of fun. And uh, we wish them all the best this year representing St. Paul. Go Bobcats. Now, our immediate next-door neighbor, Eric, uh, their daughter is on the lacrosse team. And... uh, there's usually a carload of uh, players uh, carpooling to practices, so we see a lot of the 
the sticks and, and bags getting loaded up into the back of cars and off they go to practice. So I know that it, at least uh, captain's practices uh, were good and uh, it looks it's usually about five or six players. You've got the inside so. scoop there. You just need to stop <laughs> that car of bobcats and ask them for how things are going and what results are and what's coming up. You've got right. the inside scoop next door. Yeah. Uh, are both the bur- girls and boys, they're both the bobcats right yeah same name still same name okay mm-hmm. and, yep, and uh, just in case people are going to be listening in the next couple of weeks if i say the bobcats and the bobcats it's two different teams one on the girls side one on the boys side all right well that wraps up the preview for the spring and what's to come uh this season on that side as well uh so we will get going and uh head over to the team of the month now this is something that eric and i have been doing uh, for a while now, uh, we each pick one team, uh, one on the boys' side, one on the girls' side uh, as our team of the month. And, Eric, this month you have the boys, so I'll let you take it away. My April 2021 651 Sports Update team of the month is the Como Park Cougars boys' swimming team. This group of guys was so fired up for the season, so hopeful it would happen. There were some uncertainties back in November with the way numbers were and where we're going to have winter sports. When it was okayed and when things got going, when the season did happen, they put in the work with Coach Connery, followed the strong senior leadership of Ethan Napparella and Caden Warnberg-Lem. They encouraged each other in their virtual meets. Those stands were empty, but the boys were loud, providing motivation for those swimming the pool in their events. And collectively, Como finished second in the conference, both in the regular season dual meet schedule and in the conference meet. In the Section 4A meet, Como took third out of 10 teams, only behind St. Thomas Academy and St. Anthony Village. Plus, personal records were achieved in that section meet in which five individual swimmers qualified for the state swim meet. Senior, Ethan Naparella for the 100 Butterfly. Sophomore, Sig Isaacson for the 500 Freestyle. Freshman, Kai Sackrider for the 100 Breaststroke. Then the brothers Naparella, Ethan and sophomore brother Gabe with the brothers Sackrider. Freshman Kai and junior Soren qualified for the 200 Freestyle Relay. So they all ended their swim season at State in the U of M Aquatic Center where every high school swimmer in Minnesota hopes to be. So for all those reasons, Como Boys Swimming is my 651 Sports Update Team of the Month. Awesome. Congratulations to them. My 651 Sports Team of the Month. Since we're talking spring sports, Eric, I am going to be honoring the Johnson Badminton team. We just talked about them uh, in our preview not too long ago. Now, Johnson has won the conference uh, every year since 2010, uh, except for last year, that's when I was going back in the archives, and it was weird not seeing 2020 in any of the archives uh, last night. Uh, in that time, though, since 2010, uh, I don't know, if uh, Eric, you know this, but for our listeners, it's still a, a, just a jaw-dropping stat. They have won 113 matches and have only lost five mm. since 2010. So they are very dominant on the badminton court. The governors are looking to continue their winning ways this year. Uh, but as you know, badminton in the city conference is tough. Uh, no match is a gimme, so Johnson is working to get those victories. Um, it's not like they just show up and think they're going to win. Every team in the city is 
a very tough opponent. I mean, you got Central and Highland and Como, Harding, and Washington is usually there right with them uh, near the top. And then you throw in Eden Prairie, Edina, and Burnsville this year, three teams in the suburbs that are actually rising in the state ranks. Every year they get better, and every year they come out with uh, uh, better competition uh, for the St. Paul City Conference. So it's a tough schedule, one that Johnson is used to, and uh, one that I'm sure they, they believe they can persevere in. But it's for all those reasons and more why I picked Johnson's badminton team as my 651 Sports Team of the Month. Excellent. More than worthy. All right. The time is now 10.40. You are listening to 651 Sports Update. I am Mike Resendez. Eric Erickson is here. You're listening to Frogtown Community Radio, WFNULP 94.1 FM. We got about 20 minutes uh, before the end of the show, which gives us enough time now to talk about your bugle piece, Eric, and things going on at Como Park. So why don't you tell us what is coming up uh, in the Park Bugle? I will do that. I would also like to remind people of last month's story. Uh, Last month for my sports story in the Park Bugle community newspaper, I wrote a piece about the Como girls basketball team that wasn't about their on-court success. It was about their off-the-court academic success. The team has maintained a combined GPA of 4.1 during the pandemic and the season, and they are all on track for college classrooms. So 4.1 weighted GPA. The, the way you can get above 4, Mike, is, uh, um, and I did not have experience with that as a student back in the day, uh, but the way you get above 4 is, is you take these accelerated courses and you take college coursework and college prep courses in high school and when you get a's and b's and those there's a little bump to it and and you get above the 4.0 mark and that just shows that the girls are preparing themselves for college with mm-hmm. rigorous coursework and exceeding in them so that was in last month's park bugle and it's out there in the coffee shops and in the the newspaper stands at your local area grocery stores and such if you have not seen it yet, to read about Como Girls basketball. This month, my Park Bugle story will be a winter sports review with highlights of each team, which will basically be a summary of what I was sharing earlier here on the show about girls basketball, swimming, and wrestling, plus the names of some outstanding performers, some that I haven't mentioned yet, like the five Como wrestlers that earned their way through section into the state preliminaries. Those would be Blay Paw at 126 pounds, Viari Shar at 132 pounds, Caleb Sears at 160, Sully Lucy at 220, and Aaron Attic Plovey at 285 pounds. So, track tie in Aaron's going to be one of my throwers for shot and disc, 285 pound state preliminary qualifier. Football, offensive line guy, excellent wrestler, good athlete. That's the kind of that's the kind of kid I think we should put a shot put and disc in his hand and see how far they go. Right, get that power <laughs> going. <laughs> and if you caught it, VR Richard was uh, the the kid I was talking about. It was practicing on my street and state wrestling qualifier, and uh, yeah, he wants to add a state track appearance to the to the resume as well. Right. So we got some motivated kids who did outstanding with. 
Coach Teal Vanderway on the Como Wrestling team, and um, they will be highlighted in the Winter Sports Review. For girls basketball, I will mention the on-court success this month, including junior Ronnie Porter, who was chosen as the Player of the Year in the St. Paul City Conference for the third consecutive time. And joining her as all-conference selections were fellow juniors, Kaylin Asbury, Chloe Dimitrik, and Jada James. In school news, for the next Park Bugle, I will be highlighting some Como students who are going to state for History Day. Are you familiar with History Day, Mike? I am familiar with History Day, yes. You must have had some St. Paul public school students in your household who, who produced History Day projects at one point. Yes, I did, and uh, um, the middle child has gone on to the U of M and uh, became a mentor for some of the middle schools for History Day. No kidding. Yes. Wow. So they're doing that this year? Yes, they did that this yeah. year. Yep. Well, that's a fantastic service that they provide. Yes. And it is... It's great for the college kid, and it's yep. great for the high school kid. And some of that collaboration really helps elevate the, the ideas that the, that the high school students have. Um, yeah, that's really cool. So about History Day, the way it works at Como is students in 11th grade U.S. history class, uh, plus any student in any grade who wants to do a history research project just for fun, they, they can do it. They, they choose a topic of their choosing that fits within the theme. And in my U.S. history classes, we take a, a good chunk of second quarter on, on development of our history day. Um, selection, first of all, is critical because you're not going to succeed if it's a topic you're kind of lukewarm about. It's got to be something that fires you up that you're passionate about. So choosing that topic is, is critical. And then conducting research using primary and secondary sources. Then they construct their thesis. Then they write paragraph, edit paragraph, write paragraph, edit, write, edit. And then they research for more support. They find appropriate visuals. And then construct a final project to tell the story of their history subject within one of five categories. Como students with strong projects were chosen to represent Como at the St. Paul Regional History Day event. And then we had eight students selected at the regional to advance to state competition on May 15th. Those Como History Day students going to state are in the group documentary category for the Stonewall Riots, Pawa, Kabaojong, and Ta. In the individual exhibit category for A Fight for the People's Land, Taylor Fairbanks, some excellent research on Native American tribal claims and conflict with American government. So Taylor, excellent project on A Fight for the People's Land. Group website, For the Love of Learning, MECC in Communication Through Educational Technology. It's a mouthful. It is, yes. It has to do with the formation of the creation of the Oregon Trail. Remember playing the Oregon Trail on I, an old computer back I in the do, day? I do, yeah. I just saw a story about that yesterday, actually. Well, you know, their History Day project was in front of that. And it's in front of this news cycle with the okay. release. They've been working on it for a long time. And um, they traced uh, the impact on 
understanding of both history, geography, and then the integration of technology that has become obviously uh, incredibly important to everything we do with education today, especially during a global pandemic when everything right. has moved to an online platform. Yes. It all started with the Oregon Trail. Yeah, and dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> so this project was eventually pulled together into a group website, and it was produced by Soren Sackrider, uh, Kai Sackrider, Alice Wagner Hempstead, and Zach Bowman. And I think that's the third time today Soren Sackrider's <laughs> been mentioned. Uh, so you get the idea. Right. Um, swimming, uh, track, uh, history, history day. History day. Um, some really well-rounded, passionate uh, students here. Uh, so congratulations to Pawa, Kabao Zhang, Gini Ta, Taylor Fairbanks, Soren and Kai Sackrider, Alice Wagner Hempstead, and Zach Bowman. Your History Day projects were outstanding, and we'll be representing Como at the virtual State History Day. Judges will be evaluating, uh, not in person. They won't have the in-person interviews, and we won't gather at the U of M, and we won't have the awards ceremony in person. And that, that stuff's a bummer. But they've done the work and put in the effort, and um, these are really outstanding history research projects. So... Kudos to them. Congratulations on such outstanding effort and success. So on a virtual history date, so do the judges get together in a room and decide, or, or is this a Zoom thing? I mean, what? how does that work out, I guess? Yeah, they're, they're not getting together as judges either. Okay. Um, they're, they're sent all of the links, and they're told to evaluate this one and that one, and then sure. they have a Zoom call to conference on, on with, common with identity. each team or just in a, like a general Zoom room? Um, I think that the judges will meet within each category. If you're working on evaluating group website, you'll okay. meet with the other group website judges, and you'll pull your stuff together, and then you'll send it to okay. uh, the, the central uh, information um, uh, group at, at State History Day or whatever they call it, and then they'll coordinate it. And then eventually it's a Facebook virtual award ceremony. So sure. if you really wanted to know at that moment, did I, did I qualify for nationals? Um, you could tune in there, but we'll we'll share it out with our students when we get results via email. I'm not sure I'll I'm not sure I'll be glued to my um, laptop, laptop on May 15th at the exact time of the award right. ceremony. But you'll find out some of the results, obviously. Absolutely, will. And if there's more good news, we'll share it. And this is not unique to Como. I would it's it's the group I know, so I'm I'm celebrating them. But I know that there are students from Highland and Central and Washington, and Johnson, and Harding, and Humboldt that also have uh, advanced to the state level. So it's awesome. It's really, as a social studies teacher, um, it is a monumental task to get every student going on a History Day research project. But in the end, when you see the growth and you see the development of expertise and confidence and the way to communicate through these platforms in these historical areas, it's it's very rewarding. Awesome. That's good to hear. All right. The time is now 10.51. So we have just a couple of minutes before we get to our pro pick. We're going to let people uh, sweat that out just a little bit. But in-person learning starts this week, Eric. Um, and I know you've been busy getting ready for that. So if you could give us like a couple, two, three minute synopsis on, on how that's going to look on your end and uh, what 
what is going on as far as you, the, the, the approach from online to in-person? How's that going? I want to be clear that we've been in school with students since um, mid-February. Now, it's been very limited. It's been called on-site support. And so for some students who have struggled mightily, we have been going in and then providing academic support to a small group of students. The, the students have been invited in a couple days a week and rotating, then Monday, Tuesday, one group, and then Wednesday, Thursday, another group. And we've helped um, students from seniors to freshmen. Uh, if, you're, if you're struggling with, with accessing um, the online platforms, struggling getting going, whether it's special education, whether it's English language, anything that has made online learning challenging. We've been providing some support in person to those students since mid-February. We're moving into now uh, full in-person learning for all students that want it. And what I mean by that is you have the option of staying in a virtual learning format if you are uncomfortable at this point going back to school every day. So we're at about and I think this is the case across the district, we're at about 70% of students enrolled in our school that are coming back for full-time learning. That's about 30% then that are more comfortable staying on distance learning. Mm -hmm. They've been successful with it. They don't want to jeopardize health and their family's health. And so we're looking at about 800, 900 students somewhere in there coming back to Como this week. And then we're going to have an abbreviated schedule. The daily time in the building is 10.30 to 3. It's expected that those first couple of hours of the day can be utilized by students for asynchronous learning. I, <laughs> I am not sure that every high school student is going to wake up at 8.30 and say, all right. Let's do this. <laughs> but I know that I will be using that time to have Google Meets for the virtual learners. Sure. So that's the time we have to help kids who are still in distance learning. That's the time we can have Google Meets with them and help them through um, new work or take their questions and navigate challenges with what they're assigned for their, their virtual learning. So that's the, that's the idea. It'll also be um, Monday through Thursday in the building, and Friday is another one of those times set aside for asynchronous work we'll see we'll see it's a brand new world and when we get there uh, I can't do cooperative learning I can't do group work um, I, I I can't sit next to a student and you know work through a, a, a challenging problem right um, it's gonna be different we're all gonna be masked up and um, you know maybe they're gonna be like me right now with their their mask slipping down below their <laughs> nose and yeah. it's my job to say all right masks up okay and right and patrolling that, um, it's going to be challenging. I think there's a whole new set of issues that we're going to be, um, maybe, maybe, maybe we know what to expect. Maybe we don't really see all of the new things that will be there. But I know that kids are excited to be back. And I just feel like there's, a, a there's, there's going to be a good vibe about being together and being in a positive environment that I think we've all been missing for I, I guess it's been 13 months now. Right. So short version of the story, uh, we're excited. Awesome. And for those keeping track at home, it's the new, 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 new normal coming up for our kids. So, all right. So let's get to the pro pick, Eric. 
Let's remind people about last month. Last month was the Minnesota Twins pro pick that I threw out there for you. It was mm-hmm. over under four and a half. Would the Twins win over four and a half games or under four and a half? In games? their first seven. In their first seven, mm-hmm. we have completed that seven games. You picked the under. I did. And the Twins won five, so I win. Victory is mine. I don't get to do it very often, but man, what a great pro pick on my side. Hey, I want to congratulate you <laughs> on setting a great line, Mike. I think the real art of a pro pick is setting the right line, the right number, one that comes down to the wire, which you did. You know, it was they were 4-2, and two and it was the final game of the set that was going to determine if you win or I win. And I want to congratulate you on that victory that you achieved. That's right. You have now reached the 20-win mark. How does it feel to have 20 career victories over me? Oh, it feels great. I'd like to, you know, thank everybody that's made this possible uh, up to this point. And uh, I'm I'm hoping for more victories <laughs> in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we each have 20 wins or more. You've got 20 exactly, and I've got 27. Jeez. So now that you've raised your lifetime record to 20 and 27, we're going back to a pro team in sport we haven't visited for a while. Oh, my. Soccer. There we go. Minnesota United is starting their season this month. They're scheduled to play three games before I'm likely to return to the show in May. Knowing that in soccer, you get three points for a win, one for a tie, and zero for a loss. How many points will our loons earn in those first three matches? Oh, man. Over or under 5.5? Wow, 5.5. I would ask who they're playing, but I don't know enough about soccer to know anything about any of the teams they're playing anyway. Well, I'm happy to oblige. Well, why not? Give let's, you, let's give you some more it. time yeah, to give think. Me, yeah, give me some time to think about it. First three games, how many points will they earn over or under 5.5? Would you um, – let's start with this. They open the season at Seattle okay. this Friday night. Then the home opener – is next. That's against Real Salt Lake. Then the third match of the season will be at Austin. So you've got on the road at Seattle, home opener at Allianz Field against Real Salt Lake, followed by an away match at Austin. All right, so three for a win, one for a tie, zero for a loss. Uh, Five and a half. You know what? I feel it. I'm going to be positive on this one. I'm going with the over. Well, that would mean the Loons need to win two games. Two games. They got it in them. They need to win two of their first three games. Well, I guess uh, you've put me in a tough spot (laughs) because I'm a big Loons fan, and I don't want them to start out 500 or below. So maybe I'm rooting with you. I'm not sure. But Mike is positive. He's saying the Loons will win two or more. Okay. Well done, sir. You're hot. You're hot in the pro I am. I'm going for it. All right, well, thanks for listening to 651 Sports Update on WFNU. Eric, thanks for coming in. Thank you, as always. It was fun. All right, if you missed any of the show, you can go back to podcast it later on today on any of the podcast platforms available to you. Until we see you next time, have a great Saturday. Spring is here. Get outside, take a walk. It's going to be awesome. Have a great day.